Welcome to the Barncast. Just gonna talk about stuff sitting in the Barncast. We're with friends. With fellow friends. Barncast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the Barncast Season 4, Episode 17. Sha-chi, 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 sha-chi. D-set for our francophones out there. Sha-chi is Mandarin for 17. Oh, God, I say okay. that so confidently, I don't know. I was going to say, I was like, I don't know what's happening here. Sorry. It's like, are you okay? We just started this thing where he started. <laughs> I think he's about to sneeze. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair. My name is Ben Drew. And I'm joined by... Alex Ritchie. And we have a very special guest. Father P.O. Libby. Father P.O. Libby. Uh, so, tell us a bit about yourself. Where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually born in Fredericton, New Brunswick, but uh, moved here to Yarmouth uh, with my family when I was four. So this is where I call home. This is where I grew up, graduated from high school. Here you have it. Yeah. And actually, we are... In my old bedroom. Yeah. As we speak. <laughs> so that's the weirdest yeah. thing. Like, I can feel maybe, the... maybe some more context required. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what? No, we traveled. We moved the studio to <laughs> Father Pio's old childhood bedroom. There's his Power Ranger in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so funny enough, I grew up uh, with Father Pio, and I happened to buy his childhood home, and we ended up putting the recording studio in his childhood bedroom. Yeah. Uh, so Crazy. Yeah, we're very excited to have you uh, on the show. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to be here. Yeah, it's been a long time. So where are you situated at? Well, now I'm in Halifax because I'm part of a religious community called the Franciscans of Halifax. And so I uh, live up on Bears Road, just up from the Halifax Shopping Center in the rectory of St. Catherine of Siena Church. It is now part of a parish called St. Francis and St. Clair of Assisi. And I'm currently the administrator of that parish. That sounds awesome. Sounds stressful. A little bit. Sounds like a lot of responsibility. (laughs) Just a bit. Yeah. Because I'm also currently the, what's called the moderator of the community. So I'm the general superior, which interestingly enough, in canon law, the actual term is called the supreme moderator. Oh my goodness. And so I've... Tried to get the brothers and sisters on board for calling me the supreme moderator, and they're not going for it. No. I don't know if it kind of has like a, you know, a Sith Lord kind of feel to it. Like, yes, supreme moderator. So they're, they're, not, they're, they're, not, they're not. They're not taking feel it. To it but. Yeah. <laughs> so how many brothers and sisters would be within this community? Like, how many people do you kind of? Preside? Is that's not the right term? Supreme, supremely moderate. <laughs> yeah. How many people do you supremely moderate? <laughs> or moderate supremely? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yes. Yeah, there it is. Um, so yeah, we're like we're part of the you know let's say the worldwide Franciscan family right. in a spiritual sense, but we are a standalone community that was founded in 2005, uh, right here in the diocese of uh, Halifax, Yarmouth. And so we're very small, uh, still very new. And so at the moment we have uh, seven brothers. Okay. And I should have counted ahead of time, <laughs> but uh, I think we have about uh, ten sisters. Okay. And then we also have uh, what's called uh, our lay associates, which are 
single people that have consecrated themselves you know, to the Lord, okay. but don't live in community. They don't dress in the habit. Oh, so okay. they, they still live, you know. So it's outside of deacon, like it's, or is it very similar to a deacon? No. So a deacon is um, an ordained minister. Okay. Um, yeah. A, a deacon, I, I, I kind of see where you're going with. Oh, yeah, no, like, yeah, deacons can be married. Yeah, because yeah, 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 deacons yeah, yeah, yeah. are married and they can still, like, they still have their own jobs okay, and, yeah, and so on and so forth, right? Um, but no, as far as uh, religious community goes, um, yeah, like, they're they're not married, um, but they they still have their own bank accounts and still yeah. live on their own and, you know. They didn't take the... The chastity, uh, no, they took chastity, but they didn't take like, the poverty obedience. Like they don't take the same yeah vows they, they, as you do exactly. Okay, they they take what's called promises okay. instead of vows, and they can't take a vow of poverty in the sense of yeah, like not owning anything, uh, yeah. selling everything. Um, so they take a promise of simplicity. Okay, so they kind of commit to. Um, yeah, like they, they can't just go out and buy a you know big screen TV okay. you know, on a whim. Yeah, they actually within their kind of uh, governance, they have to ask their guardian for permission to buy things over a certain price. And <laughs> like okay. me with Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. Joke. Sorry, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, what was I gonna say? Shoot. Um, I do find it kind of interesting. I always come back and I tell this story all the time because I think it's, it was one of my favorite stories about you. So I grew up with Father Pio, and like to see you now in this your supreme uh, <laughs> position. Like I go back to this time. So Father Pio, growing up, he had this thing where he liked to pretend to slap food out of your hands. <laughs> and what? Why? It was like it's so he would just walk up and go, but he wouldn't actually do it. And we were, were you like, holding food? Well, so, yeah, you'd have food. Okay. And it was like this joke, like, oh, I'm going to hit it out of your hands. And I think we were on, like, a retreat or something. And he, like, walked up, and I just had, like, a foot-long sub from Subway. And he just walked up out of nowhere. And, I, and nobody else knows that that's your little bit. And he just walks over, and he hits it out of my hand. Like, a full 12-inch <laughs> sub. He just hits it onto the floor. And everybody just turns around and looks at him. And he's just like, uh. <laughs> like, I didn't mean to hit it. Like, like, why did you even pretend to? Yeah, so every time you get too big for your supreme britches, I think of you slapping Sammy's. <laughs> <laughs> but what's what's funny is that that's not uh, a one-time thing. I was just going to say that. I feel like for me, I don't have good enough. No, you played sports growing up, so you yes. probably have some pretty good hand-eye coordination. I have almost none. So I, I would have like accidentally slapped you in the face, probably. <laughs> I mean, and there's like there's a fifty percent chance you meant it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like I don't actually remember it. Yeah. And there's a good chance that it could have been on purpose. Yeah. Because I I did like so the, the I think I don't know if this is where it originated, but so I was already a seminarian Be before I became a Franciscan. I joined another community for two years called the Companions of the Cross. And so after, towards the end of my first year, it was only me and one other seminarian left, if you will. You know, we were the only two left on the island. <laughs> and we were at this like big family barbecue and, you know, it had gone like all afternoon and it was in, now it's into the evening. <laughs> it's, it's raining outside. So we're all indoors and we've already eaten our fill, right? Yeah. But the other seminarian named Leo, um, he went back in the house, you know, picked up some, you know, leftover hamburger patty. And so he's just, he, he came back outside and he's eating this hamburger patty and he had eaten about half of it. And I just, 
I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I just walked over to him, like went right up into his face, and he's looking at me like, what? And I just knocked it out of his hand, and it like went into like a mud puddle. And like the look on his face was exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> like that made it worth it. Because he looks like, what? what? What's wrong with you? Like, who are you? He waited a year to get me back. Oh, what okay. did he do? Actually, it wasn't all that great in comparison, but uh, we'd gone to the, the next year. We'd gone to like, in comparison to slapping a hamburger, well, yeah. eating a hamburger to someone's hands. This time it was that we had gone to the gym and we always had like a piece of fruit, you know, that we had after the gym. And so I was eating my apple, and it's like we got off the bus, you know, from the gym back to our place, and he like smacked the apple out of my hand and took off running. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no, you're gonna stand oh. your ground if you're gonna do that. <laughs> you can't run like, away. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I think uh, we talked a little bit about this beforehand, but one of my favorite stories, and I mean, I haven't, I didn't get to know your father until you know I'd met Aaron. So well, when you were within the Franciscans, yeah. um, but and I've mentioned this before, but you taking us around the Vatican. So Aaron and I went to Italy for our honeymoon, and we did do like four or five days in Rome. And when we were there, we met up with you, and you gave us a whole tour. And I remember you got us through. What was the name of that door? There was like a special door that had just opened. Oh, yes. Um, it was the Holy Door. Was it the Holy Door? Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought that. But I'm like, that's too obvious. It's too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, it can't just be a Holy it can't Door. Be the Holy Door. Yeah. So you got us, you just like walked up and uh, he's like, basically like, they're with me. And it got us through. I was like, yeah, we are. Yeah. And then it was amazing to actually get like, it was the equivalent. Like, you know how you can get those like, um, uh, uh, like, guided tours like on a cassette with like headphones yeah so it was like that but 10 times better because you were just going around telling us every bit of detail but i could actually ask questions too and you just if you didn't know it you made it up phenomenally well <laughs> so yeah, i'm kind of good at that yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know i just remember being like this is like the coolest experience oh, ever awesome. to get through the vatican in general because i always find it very interesting and then, like, you taking us through to, like, where your school was as well and in the classrooms. And my favorite story is how you didn't take Latin in high school. Like, yeah. you telling us that story, I well, died laughing. I'm, like, the one person that didn't take Latin, and I'm the one person that actually needed it in the end, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. here we are, like, we had uh, Mr. Covert, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and come to find out, Father Christopher, who's part of my community, he's a, you know, Big, he was a Latin teacher in high school and whatnot, and he's, he's now doing his doctorate in biblical studies. Okay. And so he's phenomenal at Latin. And he knew Yarmouth. The, the thing that he knew about Yarmouth was that we were the last high school in the province to offer Latin, right? Yeah, because yeah, you're a bit up on me, but like when I was in high school, they still offered Latin. Yeah. Really? And I graduated in 2007. So yeah. like... We were the last high school in all the province to offer Latin. And so he just assumed that I would have had Latin. <laughs> this <Right>. guy. <laughs> and yeah, like all of my friends took it. And I was going to take it because it was, you know, it was considered kind of a bird course. So I was like, I'm going to take Latin. And it was my dad who talked me out of it by telling me, why would you take that? It's a dead language. You know, it's useless. Like you should take something. You you'll, know, you'll never need it again. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And so he convinced me basically to take construction tech. <laughs> and so I spent the year like learning how to make like a model house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot good I'm using that yeah. for now, right? Like so I, I do like to tease my dad for that. It's like 
The yeah. one guy who needed Latin, you talked out of it. Yeah, like, and think about in the history of the high school. I mean, it's an old school, but, like, there, I don't think many priests came out of that. You know what I mean? Like, No. And no. it's funny because they, like, said to me, like, because I wanted to study biology, like, learn Latin. It'll be super helpful in bio. It's not. You know what I mean? Like, sure, you have the Latin names for the animals and things, but, like, it's not actually helpful. But, like, for you, where you have to speak it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah, because here I am. Here I was over in Rome, and I think yeah. would that have been the year that you guys were there, or maybe just after that year? I can't remember. Um, but my first we came twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Which part of the year? October. Okay, so I had just started in on my second yes. a- academic year. Yep. So my first academic year in Rome was studying Latin and studying Greek in Italian. Right. <laughs> it's like. Wrap it in an extra layer. Well, yeah, like I, I, the joke I say is that I'd come home and you know wouldn't be able to speak English anymore. Right? Like my <laughs> yeah. brain would just be like, "What language is am I speaking here?" Yeah, yeah. So to not have had Latin in high school and then to have to eventually go on to study Latin, like, and the other romantic languages that is based on, you know, well, that's based it. on, yeah, right. Like having to learn Italian, even Latin would have helped for that probably. So, uh, so how long did you spend at the Vatican or in Rome? So, like. Were you stationed, like, did you spend most of your time in Vatican City, or were you just, like, in Rome, and you would just pop over? Yeah, I, I, never, I wasn't living in the Vatican. Okay. Um, but my school, like, if if you're looking at St. Peter's, and you're, you see the pillars, yeah. you know, the arms that are outreaching, um, my school was just on the other side of that. Okay. Yeah, I guess I'm not close enough to the mic, but. You're good. Um, you're good. So that's where I was studying. So, like, every day that I went to school... It's like I'd cut through St. Peter's Square. <laughs> I'd see St. Peter's. That's that's so cool. And and the year that Alex is talking about was like the way I, the reason I was even able to get them in so easily was because it was the year of mercy. So this one whole year dedicated to mercy, and for that year they had the holy doors open. Right. And so they had they had this special you know uh, pathway a special entrance in that you had to book in advance. You had to book at least a day in advance, make an appointment okay. for your turn to walk through these holy doors. We did not. <laughs> I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because priests and religious were just able to go in. Okay, yeah. And so my th- the frustrating part outside of that year was that um, my school, for whatever reason, didn't have a chapel in it. And so I'd have like three hours in between classes that made no sense to go home because it took me at least an hour uh, metro transit to go home, right? So it's like, I'm not going anywhere. I want to just go somewhere and pray. And my school doesn't have a chapel. And in that siesta time, all the churches close. (laughs) So it's like, what is happening here? Like I cannot, (laughs) so I can't, there's no place for me to just go and pray. And to go into St. Peter's, it's like you had to get into the line with all the tourists and, you know, wait three hours yeah. to actually get in, right? But during something to do. But during that year, wait. I was able to just get in. Okay. So for that whole year, like anytime I had a break, I just went over to St. Peter's and just took it all in and went to the Adoration Chapel there, and it was amazing. And, like, to this day... St. Peter's is like my favorite church. I've never gotten tired going in there the amount of times I've gone in. And I I even like didn't want St. Peter's to be my favorite church. 
because it's like just too cliche. Cliche. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I actually wanted to the find the coolest church yeah. in like, the world, like the center of Catholicism. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, I wanted to have something special that I could be like, oh yes, this little tiny church in this nowhere part of Rome. It's so beautiful. It's my secret. No. Yeah. That no Saint, one else. Yeah. Saint Peter's is just amazing every time I go in. Yeah, and I think that's fair, and that's why it is. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the church, like, yeah, yeah, it should. It really should be everyone's kind of favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it is because it is so you know got such a presence when you go in there. It's incredible. It is incredible. I'll be honest as well too. I uh, I think my favorite church. I've never been to Rome, but uh, was when we went to Germany and there was we went to Saint Michael's Church and it was from the year seven hundred. And that was it was the exact opposite where it was the oldest and like really decrepit church. It was like kind of circular. Everybody sat in a circle so that it's not like like everyone yeah, it was just like a cool vibe and then you go in the basement there's just one giant pillar holding up the whole church. Yeah. And it was like cuz cool. like Christ is the 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 pillar of the church, the rock that you build your church. Anyway, but it's like it was old, it was like not fancy. And I was like this this church cuz you just feel it's like it's from the year seven hundred. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like there's some vibes coming from that. So that's the, the coolest church I've ever seen, and I've seen cool like the Duomo in Milan, and like mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty, it's cool, but like it's not as cool as that little church. And there was catacombs with bones in them and stuff. You know, like there's some history there. Yeah. So like, the vibe kind of helps with that. But yeah. So did you ever? The listeners want to know. Did you ever get into the? Uh, What's that word? It starts with an A. Don't oh, look at me. Secret Vatican archives. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. archives. <laughs> Have you been in the archives? And what do you know? <laughs> no, I have not been in the Vatican archives. I could have, like, being uh, a licentiate student, basically, like a master's student. Um, if I had have had like a reason to go in there, they would have allowed you. Yeah, like that's. Part of it is like, you know, you're, you're registered with a pontifical school. If you have a book that you're looking for, I think I think you do you do need like a, a note from your professor basically right. that, you know, you are studying this and this book, you know, is, you know, you need, yeah. you need access. So I could have, but no, I didn't. Oh, well, I'm going to ask you to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the end of the interview. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, nothing left to ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the whole point. No. Um, Did you want to go? I like w- I would have, but it, I don't know. Just it wasn't like central to your. Okay, that's fair. I doubt yeah. it's as glamorous as people make it out to be. Well, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I I mean, like the way like the, like the Da Vinci Code, you know, portrays it, and like yeah, how yeah. secretive and you know. I've actually never seen nor watched it, so I. Oh no! Yeah. It's not really worth it. Yeah. Did you at least read the book? Nope. It's not bad. I mean, it's like a summer read. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's entertaining. You know, it's like the equivalent of like an American Pie movie. Okay. I mean, <laughs> you're like you know what you're getting into when you walk when you get yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah. I uh, less I actually, sexual. I don't. I don't believe in reading. <laughs> yeah, we know that. We can tell. Yeah, I don't speak telepathically. <laughs> I don't know. Tell. <laughs> that, was, that was a bad Wait. joke. Well, I was, I was cut, in my, that, cut that. We're gonna cut that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was gonna say I was in uh, when I was in my master's on uh, Monday, so everyone else was in person at the school, and I couldn't because I I was still in my COVID quarantine. And weirdly enough, there was me and one other person who had got COVID in the last week, so uh, both neither of us could be there. So they skyped us in or uh, Google timed us 
Google uh, muted us in, I should say. And the prof was like, oh, shoot, I got you on the wrong computer. I guess, uh, is it okay if we stay like this? Like, I couldn't see anything. I could hear them, but I couldn't see anything. He's like, is it okay if we stay like this? Like, I'll just, like, you won't be able to see anybody, but you can hear us. I'm like, well, truthfully, I prefer that anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> and then I can, I'm like, wait, not only can the prof hear me, so can the entire classroom. Yeah. So I was just trying to make a joke with him, and I hear Jeremy just at the back being like, hey! <laughs> like, shoot, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, how has this whole... I mean, you're in charge of a religious community and a diocese full of people, and... Well, not not a diocese. That would be the, no, bishop. Sorry, yeah, yeah, be yeah. the bishop. Sorry, yeah, uh, <laughs> don't make Don't make me a bishop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just I'm thought you rusty. needed more responsibility. Please. You, yeah. you know what? If you want, I can make you a bishop. I know a guy. You know a guy? Okay. <laughs> Isn't he your guy that you know? Yeah. Does, yeah. Could an archbishop do it? Could I? Or do you have to go to a... I'm losing all my vocabulary. Cardinal. 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 Does the cardinal make you a bishop? Who makes no. you a bishop? Well, it has to come from the Holy Father. Okay. And then you need at least two bishops ordaining uh, okay. a bishop. All right. Where was he going? I don't know. So, so, so you're, you're, you were saying I'm the head of a religious community. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm also the head of a parish. A parish. Yes, yeah. yeah, sorry. Um, how has this been over this whole COVID experience? You know what I mean? like Because I know like churches were at... 50 to 25% capacity. Like yeah. they really trimmed you down. Like how was juggling all of the, the leaders in your church, but also the, the parishioners of your church. Like how was that whole experience? And COVID. The same I mean, like, yeah, exactly. I know how shitty it was juggling a classroom full of kids. And like, but the, I feel like there, I had less on my shoulders <laughs> than you did. Yeah. No, it's been, Oh, it's been insane. Uh, I mean, thankfully, for the first part, I wasn't the, the the pastor, the administrator of the parish. I only started in September, um, but I've been—I mean, I've been the head of the community since then, though. So I knew what was going on with the the former pastor and all the headaches. And obviously, I was celebrating mass, and so I, you know, I needed to know all the protocols and and everything. Um, but then, even stepping into it, so I stepped into it in September, and it's like we had kind of started to come out. And, you know, things were kind of easing up and we were just getting ready for Christmas then. And then that's when like another wave came yeah. and all of a sudden, like we were almost back to square one. Yeah. And so that, that's been the experience all through COVID is like, okay, what can we do? What can't we do? How do we do it? Um, and so, you know, we're waiting for, you know, the protocols. Well, first we're waiting for the protocols from the government then we're waiting to hear how the diocese d- decides to implement them. Yeah. But then you're also dealing with all your parishioners and their reactions to it. Yeah, because, I mean, just hundreds of thousands of individuals with all their own feelings and all their own reactions, and you yeah. have to manage that. And, and, yeah, so you just, like, what I saw was that you just had such a polarization and such extremes because, yeah, you had the people that, uh, especially with the pandemic, it was like, we need to be praying. We need to be celebrating Mass, which, you know, you can understand yeah, and, yeah. you know, agree with and want to do. Yeah. Um, and so it's like you had these people that came very, very strongly with very strong emotions about the churches being closed. Yeah. But then you had others that 
you know, would take the opposite stance and say, like, well, it would be careless, it would be reckless to have the churches open, we need to follow, you know, the government protocols to a T, sometimes even going beyond the government protocols. (laughs) Set an example. Yeah. 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 Right? And, but then, so, you know, you can understand both sides even, right? But my biggest thing was when people would start to get angry and start to look down upon and even demonize the other people. Yeah. So people that, you know, wanted the churches open would look at the people who wanted to follow the protocols as not having any faith and, you know, being, uh, you know, too attached to this world and and so on. And then you'd have the people on the other side saying like, you know, uh, these people are... um, you know, ultra conservative yeah. and, you know, aren't taking into account, you know, the welfare of uh, public and, yeah. and it's like, can, can we still love each other? <laughs> can yeah. We still, can we still talk about this? Yeah. And it, it was, what's interesting is too, is like, I mean, I mean, I grew up Catholic. Like I know that like Catholics in themselves, like you take, you take some heat, you know what I mean? So like to have that then fracture in the middle of that family, like you're already taking yeah. some heat. And then everybody's kind of divided. Yeah, it makes it kind of rough. But that brings us to an interesting point. We kind of talked to you about that before, but it's just a societal division. Yeah. It's it's just crazy now. And and COVID really kind of reinforced that. And I think one of the big problems is like people were stuck at home and they were on YouTube, like and then like in those got in those algorithm loops and every got reinforced. Yes. So whether like any everybody got radicalized. You know, yeah. I, and and myself included. Like, I'm I'm not free from that. Like, I I guess shitty. Like, I I would I'm a, I'm a very pro vaccine, and I would I would get shitty with the 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 anti vaxxers You know what I mean? Like, I'm nobody's free from that. But um, I I try to dial myself back because I get that it's it was a scary time. You don't want to create so much hate and division because well, everyone's always blaming everyone else for a problem or at least a group yeah. of people, right? Like. People who are getting the vaccines, the anti-vaxxers, like you're the reason that I can't do X, Y, Z. Yeah. But then people who had the vaccines were saying the anti-vaxxers, well, no, you're the reason mm. why we can't all do it. So you know I mean it? Just you're right. It created such a huge schism between these two massive groups of people, and we're still obviously nowhere close to resolving that. It's just no. it exacerbated issues that were already present. But because you were home alone, only you were only interacting with people. Who are like-minded for the most part. Yeah. For the most part, families are like-minded. You get your ideals, you get your belief systems from them because you grew up with them, and those are the only people you were around. So everything just got, like, fortified. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the images that I was using was uh, from Captain America. Do you remember the movie? Uh, And and, and explaining the serum. And it's like, you know, the serum just basically amplifies whatever's in a person. So, you know, bad becomes worse, good becomes better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I saw was like these people that like I didn't realize were a certain way. Yeah. It it was like it just became extreme. Yeah. It's not just a COVID thing too. Like it's it's, it's in all parts of society now. And that's why I was kind of saying like conservatives and liberals or Democrats and Republicans, like there's hate now. Mm. and it's like i remember like growing up like my dad's super liberal and and i was like yeah conservatives or whatever and like you could argue with people but like you'd still be friends with them but like now people hate each other yeah and that is really scary that is and like as i said like it's worse in the states 
but we follow suit really quick. And like it's it's definitely non existent in Canada. Like or it's not non existent. It definitely exists in Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Double negative. It's <laughs> not non existent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying out here. It's like how do we fix this? And that's if you could solve this. We'd really appreciate it, <laughs> yeah. Father. I'm on it. My yeah, <laughs> I, just because we know you got lots of time in your hands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. you're not busy. Yeah. Yeah. But but that's what I was saying was kind of been my position in you know in, right. in, in all of this and my even my as mission the supreme moderator as the supreme moderator. <laughs> yeah, I mean you are made for this. <laughs> you can't be called a supreme moderator and then not moderate supremely. You know what I mean? Is there a level exactly. above be, supreme? Be, uh, no. No, no. It's right. like gas. Supreme is the best you there can you get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's full of gas. All right. He's full of gas. I guess. Uh, wait. It might go. <laughs> that's offensive. <laughs> but no, like, like that. That's been kind of my mission is to just bring reconciliation. Right. Because, again, it's like you can see the points on either side, and it's like the whole thing is like we should be able to dialogue about this. We should right. just be able to talk about this and exchange ideas and have. You know, good, healthy debate and argument, even right. Um, but yeah, when when the hatred comes, you know, the ears close. You stop listening. You stop wanting to listen, and it just creates such division. And so, you know, I just tried to bring you know peace and reconciliation between the two factions because you know i saw it even within my own community right yeah. even within my small community i could find you know the the spectrums yeah and then in the parish had the same thing you know it's like you couldn't make a right move it's like if you went this way well these people were upset that you weren't being more covid aware mm -hmm. and if you went this way well then you know other people were saying you know you're not making it possible to worship and, yeah right and so you'd always have somebody upset with you and not willing to kind of see what you were trying to do so it's like we're not going to get anywhere yeah no it's crazy times um i hope that this new uh found like we're out of all the protocols like hopefully that'll bring you a little more peace in your life and like a little more and then you can start trying to mend in those uh relationships that's what we hope because yeah but uh yeah something's got to be done and it's i mean it's outside of covid i think the problem is like covid definitely exacerbated it and uh made it more relevant but those have been growing those feelings have been growing well also too we were just left at home with like you said like algorithmic social media yeah so everyone's small belief that they might have had just got firmly cemented oh yeah they just kept rattling like it's, around exactly reinforce, you hear reinforce exactly and so like there's just there was like no chance like we didn't as a society have a chance at actually having a dialogue because we were basically told not we weren't allowed to because mm -hmm. we weren't allowed to socialize outside yeah. of the yeah. same group so if you Fair google enough. And like I, the technology is great, but technology will also destroy us <laughs> to a certain extent because it's as soon as we talked, like literally, we were talking about the Vatican, and I'm on a website, and a tour came up because I've also looked at tours to the Vatican. Oh yeah. my! Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I haven't Googled it, I haven't done anything like that, but on the computer was it? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. at least it, someone is, you know. We yeah. we don't. I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're complaining about nobody listening. Well, at least our computers are listening. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. But then again, that reinforces it. Yeah, right? That shit exactly. goes out to Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. So He's that's just creepy, fan. right? Uh, <laughs> only fan? Yeah. Not in that way. Okay. Like, you know, that those two words existed before the website. You know what I, I mean? am aware. 
I was trying to say that he's our only listener. Yeah, I thought you were just trying to say like Mark Zuckerberg had an OnlyFans. No. <laughs> like, <"Ooh." laughs> no, no one wants that. No. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. The The idea that everything has just become, like, the idea of this hatred has almost become enmeshed, like, into our, it's the opposite of where it used to be. We used to be, you know, defined Canadians as, like, a cultural mosaic. Mm-hmm. And now it's just completely fractured and becoming more of that, like, melting pot idea with all these fringes on the outside not meshing into that melting pot, which is what's causing a major issues, I think. Yeah. So that's my random interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. All right, Father Pio, question for you. All right. So you live a radical lifestyle, right? Which is, is a weird thought because like, you think you live a very simple lifestyle. But comparatively to everyone else, and I mean, I knew you, Years before your father Pio, right? Growing up mm-hmm. and slapping sandwiches, and <laughs> <laughs> and so like, like what is that change, right? What what is it like to 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 throw away everything and immerse yourself and to follow the Lord? You know, like what what is that experience? Because I think a lot of people wouldn't understand, or like it's hard for people to wrap their head around. Because there's just so many changes that, like, know, yeah, yeah. it's not even just like you've changed, like, one major, people have changed one major thing about their life, but you've, from my understanding, and please correct us if we're wrong, but, like, very drastic, like, you're the same person, but um, lead a very different life and have very different things than, what say, I have or Ben has or other people have as well. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah, so I guess I have to go back to the beginning because now it's been like 13 years yeah. that I've been living this life and so now it's kind of like well this is just normal this is right? life right. This, this, this is life for me right but yeah in the beginning um, yeah to enter into a life where I take the vows of poverty chastity and obedience um, yeah it was a big uh, big change yeah um, <laughs> yeah and it's funny because everyone kind of focuses on the chastity part right like you know, right. being a priest you know uh uh, you know, you have a vow of celibacy, right? Yeah. It's like, whoa, like that's the toughest thing ever. And it's like, that's kind of the... That's why it's supposed to be. Well, yeah, but it, it's almost like the easiest one. <laughs> 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 to Like once you make that choice anyways, I guess. I yeah. mean, yeah, it's, it's a huge choice. Yeah. But it's like once you make that choice, it's like, okay, yeah, this is, this is what I'm doing. And I can do this by the grace of God, right? Yeah. But then poverty is another element. Yeah, because it is such a uh, a change to lifestyle, right? And it is uh, a surrendering of your independence. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it, and it's not that I live, you know, like Father Roberto always said, like poverty doesn't equal misery. So it's not like right. you know, the fact that you know the Franciscans live a life of poverty that you know we're you know, sitting outside in the snow, like with no place to call our own and, right. you know, begging for our bread every day. Like a no. hair shirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it means that I personally cannot own anything of my own. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a weird sentence, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so like if somebody gives me something, it becomes the communities and I may still get use of it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I have a computer that I use pretty exclusively, right? Right, yeah. But technically, like, if somebody in the community had a greater need than me and the community decided, like, you know, okay, sorry, Father Christopher needs that computer to do his uh, doctorate, yeah. okay, well, 
it just goes right? right like i don't get to decide yeah and if i need anything i can't just decide to go out and buy it so i have to go to my guardian my superior the supreme moderator if you will and uh, i have to ask you know i need a new toothbrush even right really okay. so even if you're like i ran out of deodorant oh yeah so who wow. moderates the supreme moderator <laughs> well i do live in a convent yeah and there's a guardian of the convent okay and so there is kind of like there there are checks and balances yeah, 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 yeah even right and so like i do live under you know the the guidance of a guardian and so yeah like i ask you know permission still uh to miss a meal to miss a prayer time i mean as, as the moderator i mean it's a bit different that oh, i um, think you're, you're I, i'm assuming you're a little busier like you have yeah, and and I and I get a little bit more leeway that it's like it's understood that I have things that I need to do, and right. so it's more. Right. It, it does kind of become more of an informing. It's like you okay, know, yeah. okay, you know, Father Nathaniel, I, I I won't be at the meal because you know I'm doing this or, or, yeah. or whatnot, right? But so like initially coming into the community though, like one of my biggest struggles, like the first or second night, even after I had you know started uh, in, in this life, it dawned on me that I couldn't just of my own volition walk down the street and buy chicken nuggets from McDonald's. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a, yeah. That was huge. And it's like, I didn't even have a craving for nuggets, but yeah. it was like, just the fact that I can't do that now, it was like, whoa. whoa. Yeah. Right? So you, you can ask. I can To ask. go do that. Yes. But yeah, as like a grown man, who yeah. like, like. Exactly. Yeah. Like, right? like, to like, to. Who has who's had that freedom for most of your life at that point? Yeah, you're like, no, I gotta get permission from yeah. for nothing. And I don't have my own money anymore, right? Like, yeah, right. Actually, uh, so I so when when you when you first join though, um, it's not like you just sell everything right away because there's that period of uh, you know, trial, if you will, right? Yeah, right. And so like you do what's called your novitiate, which is a full year uh, where you don't even take the vows. Like you can leave at any time, Okay. but you have to do that one year of living this life before being able to take your vows. Um, so it's like, they want to make sure you're able to do it before you actually take the <laughs> vow and then break the vow. Well, yeah. Imagine exactly. like if you just brought dudes off the street, like, yeah, yeah, you're in now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? How many people will be breaking those vows? Yeah. You know? true. Right. So then, yeah, you do a year, and that also gives the community a chance to look at you too, right? right. And be like, okay, yeah, does does this guy fit? Yeah. Like, you know, does he have the the capacity? Is he happy? Right? Like, you know, we we had, we had one guy that like seemed like no matter what we tried to do, he just seemed depressed. Right. Yeah. And like by the end, but towards the end of it, well, no, actually, it wasn't even towards the end of it. Like at one point, I just asked him, I'm like are you okay? Like, are you right. happy? I was like, you don't have to stay. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you can leave. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and he did. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. shit, I yeah. didn't know that. Okay, like, bye. You know, he, he felt like he had to complete the year, even okay, though it was yeah, like yeah. he was pretty much certain he wasn't going to continue on. So it's like, you can leave yeah. now. He's, like, he's, like, he's like, like, no, the best I, of I you did leave now. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're miserable. You're making everybody else miserable. <laughs> you know. You're breaking down our vibe, dude. Yeah. Like, Is that how you approached it? <laughs> in different words but kind yeah. of right uh, like um but no so then you know you have that year then if the community accepts you if you want to continue on then you make your your first vows which are temporary and you're only professing them for one year yeah right okay and then you renew them at least uh for three years before you're eligible to you know make your final vows 
So it's not until you make your final vows that you actually like close everything down. It's like, okay. yeah. you know, shut down your bank account, take any money that you do have and distribute it, you know, to whoever you want. Um, so, yeah, so it wasn't until I made my final vows that then I came back here to Yarmouth right. and went to my uh, bank. And it turned out to be Dane Marshall. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He was the like assistant bank manager at the time. And so like Dane and I grew up playing hockey together yeah. since yeah. we were like five. His sister right? babysat me. They're like backyard neighbors. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, they would. And so it was, it was cool experience. And he, he was just like, I don't understand like how you can be so happy to be like closing your bank account and like getting rid of all your money. Like, I don't understand that. Like, I would be losing it right now. I was yeah. like, well, not everyone's called you know, <laughs> yeah. to, yeah. to this life, right? But yeah, I mean, there's there's such a freedom that comes with it at the same time, right? Um, to not worry about your material goods. Like, yeah, I, now as the Supreme Moderator, I am worrying about everything because it's all, <laughs> yeah. it, it's all on me, right? Right. Yeah. But to let go of everything, even of your own your own will to a certain extent, right? Like, cause that, right. that's, that's the vow of obedience. Yeah. And that's the hardest one really. Like that's difficult because, um, yeah, to have to ask permission and to have to then be denied permission at times yes. right? and be told what you're going to be doing. I mean, it's not like a military structure. Like it's not like as, as, now I'm going to start calling myself the Supreme Moderator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back to Halifax and yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro- brothers and sisters be like, what's wrong with you? This guy does one podcast. Yeah, now, he's exactly. the now he's the Listen Supreme Moderator. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, no, as 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 moderator, um, it's not like I, you know, just randomly say like, you know, get out of the house and go do this. Like 15 jumping jacks. Yeah. Like yeah. You know, do this for me. Yeah. Get down and give me 20. Right. Yeah. There is dialogue. And, right. um, but ultimately like if I decide that this person should be doing this, whether they want to or not, that's, accor- what, that's accor- what they'll be doing. According to their vow, that's what they have to be yeah. doing. Like, like I didn't decide to go to Rome. Yeah, I didn't decide to study patristics, you know, because I wouldn't have, especially when I knew that you had to study Latin and Greek, <laughs> yeah. right? I wouldn't have made these choices on my own, but like having that choice made for me has been like such a rewarding, enriching experience. Yeah, that I wouldn't have done on my own. Yeah, right. So making that act of surrender to you know hand over your will basically to somebody else you know, trusting that God is going to work in the midst of that is, is quite freeing. Yeah. I, I know like I, for a long time, I wanted to be a monk. Mm-hmm. I know it's because of Novanada. <laughs> yeah. The brother's there, but it's, it's funny. Like I remember being in like grade two or three and it's always like, draw a picture of what you want to be when you grow up. And it, it was like, I want to be a cop. I want to be a firefighter. I'm like, I want to be a monk. And it was like, would make fun of me and like you want to be a monkey you little yeah. you know like because they're he well, wouldn't even know what a monk was and like yeah. but like i've always seen uh the beauty in that like just giving up of everything and just i never want to be a priest okay it's too much responsibility like i would like i like the idea of like living in a brotherhood and just spending all your time helping somebody like that's for me like cool it's not, it's not too late 
Yeah, yeah, I'm probably not gonna. But <laughs> at, least, at least you're open about it. Yeah, but like, I mean, it's part of my journey. Like, yeah. I, I'm not as religious as I used to be, right? Um, and I, but I still got love for it, and like, it's still a part of who I am. But like, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> okay. Um, but I always, I mean, I got mad respect for people who are doing it, and like, and I, and I. I just thought it was really cool, like that that whole idea of like poverty and obedience. Just like, no, I'm I'm just gonna help, you know. Like and 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 like, there's that that side. Like, I don't have to worry about bills. I don't have to worry about anything. Like, I'm just gonna help. And like, I mean, it's hard on both ends, you know. Like, obviously, like there's freedom on one side, but like you're still a human being. Like, you still have those struggles. You still have selfish desires. Mm-hmm. But um, I just I think it's really cool, you know. Like and. So it's, it's always resonated with me. Yeah, and something you said there that just sparked this as a question. What happens if somebody comes and they want to do this, all the vows or anything like that, but they have like a ton of debt? Ah, okay. Oh, that's an interesting question. Like, I, so I was like, oh, I could do that. No, I can't. I owe a lot of people a lot of money. <laughs> he would be like, no, come back in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, pretty much. That's it. Yeah, like you can't come in with massive debts. Like, okay. you know, because the community can't take that on. Right. Right? It wouldn't even be just, you know, the fact that like, um, yeah, like we live off providence. Right. Like, yeah, like, yeah we, we do, like, especially as priests now, we do receive uh, an income as priests that comes right. into the community, the common fund, if you will. But like we live off donations in large part. Right. Right. And so it wouldn't be just, you know, for us to take somebody else's debts on with, you know, other people's money. Right. right? And so if somebody comes and wants to wants to become a brother um, and they have these debts, well, they have to work to pay them off. Right. We can help, though, in in the sense that if, if they do, if they are committed and they get to know our community Let's say they've they've started kind of hanging around. They come to some meals. They come to some prayer times. Mm-hmm. Um, we may invite them to live with us, okay, and start discerning that way, which would allow them to then not have to pay rent anywhere, yeah, right, and still continue to work whatever job they're doing um, in order to pay off the debt. So I I did something similar to that. I moved home. <laughs> with yeah. my parents and paid off my student loans. Yeah, exactly. well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was huge, right? Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, yeah you can't just like <laughs> they show. I think up. those are two very different situations, Ben. <laughs> well, no, don't uh, equate them. No, I lost a lot of independence. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and dignity. I know. Like, there's, you know, I'm like, I was like, well, how I would be like 24, 25, and. They'd be like, you should go to bed now. <laughs> like it was that was humbling, but I mean it was for a different cause. It was just purely a Still monetary yeah. thing. But but yeah. No, that's cool, you guys. But yeah, it'd be hard to like then all these random people just showing up. But yeah, I'm a hundred grand in debt, but I really want really want to yeah. use the word. It's like, well, no man, you gotta They're, figure your shit out yeah, first. Yeah, yeah so somebody does that, it's already like red flag. You're like, yeah, no, maybe not. Well, no, like it is. It's a whole discernment process because, yeah. yeah, like you have to get to know the person. They have to be, yeah, free and clear of debts. They also have to, well, be free and clear. Like they can't be, uh, 
married, for instance. So this know. is why you went and said that to Ben and not to me, because I'm dead <laughs> and married. No, I'm still in it. I'm still in the game. Maybe I'll do it. You know what? I'll follow you anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have your geology job then? <laughs> no. Oh, shoot. I forgot about the yeah, rocks. You got you to give up the rocks. I can't give up the rocks there, Mr. You can bring them into community, though, and okay. they just become community rocks. I'm going to give you a community rock, if that's okay. When you leave here tonight. I would love to have a community rock. I would love to give you one. All right. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a coffee table rock. There you go. Or whatever. So I, I, I want to talk to you guys about Jeffrey Bezos. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, Sorry, what's your opinion on Jeffrey Bezos? Just out of curiosity, yeah. I don't know that I know a lot other than like he's the founder of Amazon. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, is he is he still the richest man in the world? He, as yes. far as I know, his wealth fluctuates. Elon Musk, he's kind of uh, goes up every now and again. And Musk is down. second to him. Yeah. Or no, no, Musk is first right now. Actually, so he is second right yeah. now. Yeah. But it does. Kind yeah. Of so so beyond it. that, I don't know a lot. Like you know. We'll just say that his working conditions aren't great. Okay. Like, the people who work for him, I don't think, enjoy it all that much, based off what I've read. No, yeah, they're very anti-union. They're very uh, pissing bottles because you can't have a bathroom break. Oh. Um, People have died, and they just keep working around them because nobody can stop. Yeah, that's a little uh, wrong. I mean, he's the second richest person in the world. He's evil. You know what I mean? Like, like, there's no way that you get there without being evil. Yeah. Right? Because if you weren't evil, you wouldn't be that rich. <laughs> True. Yeah, to be at least fairly self-centered to get that wealthy. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, he bought a $500 million yacht. Or he had one built. Okay. This okay. super yacht. I think it's like the best yacht there is. And I love this story. Because... I'm just so used to, like, the rich are just doing what they want with everybody else, and, like, everybody's capitulating to them. Right. And so this dude, he's, like, he goes uh, to Rotterdam, and he, the Dutch are building him this yacht. Okay. And $500 million yacht. That's insane. And he wants to now take it to the ocean, right? Which, obviously, with your yacht, you want to ride it in the ocean. However, there's a bridge in Rotterdam. That's not big enough to let that yacht through. Okay. It is, for you, it's the eye of the camel, all right? Okay. <laughs> or the eye of the needle, the camel through the eye okay, of the needle. Yeah. So it's the Koningshavenberg Bridge. Also <laughs> you don't have to shout everything <laughs> that sounds mildly German. <laughs> yes, 100%. Uh, also known as De Hef. Uh And so Jeff's like, you know what? My buddy Jeff over here is like, I'll just chuck some money at you. Just take the bridge down, right? <laughs> I like that. This is why he's disgusting. You know, he's like, yeah. this is like, I'm sure, like, it's a very old bridge. Like, yeah. it's a culturally relevant bridge. Uh, okay. He's like, I built my $500 million yacht. Yo, I'll pay, take it down, put it back up. I'll just sail it through. And the government is like, yes, we will, which is disgusting. That is gross. But the people came through. Ooh. Everyone was like, Oh, hell no. Like, you're not bringing this yacht through our bridge. You're not taking down our bridge. And if you do, like, we're going to, like, be riding in the streets. We're going to pelt everything with rotten eggs. And the government has come through and said, we're not doing it. So now, well like. Well done. Right? It's a, it's, a, it's a victory for the people. To one of the worst human beings on the planet who's just single-handedly destroying small business and getting rich on the back of everybody who needs things. And. And everybody's like, no, we're not going to let this happen. 
And so now he's now they don't know what they're gonna do because he can't sail his boat out. Right? How does he so, not plan for this? I he know, probably because he's so rich, he doesn't need to plan things. He can just throw money at it. Wow. I assume. Yeah. Or in his plan, he's like, "No, nah, I'll, I'll pay him <laughs> to take it, the bridge down." But I love this story. This story just brings so much joy to my heart because it's people coming together to stop a megalomaniac. Mm. For now. For now. Mm. Right. The the fight still goes on. But it makes me think I've been seeing um, a lot of – because I get super pessimistic about everything. Um, You do. I do, yeah. (laughs) About, like, environment and about the divisions in people and about all these things. And it boils down to wealth inequality. Right. Mm. Yep. I mean, on a spiritual note, it's it's different, I'm sure, for you where it, what, what it boils down to. But, like, it's that 1% owning 99% of the wealth. And there's been a lot of interesting, like, papers and things that, that touch on this about how all of it, the environment, the media, all that stuff just boils down to this inequality of wealth. And that's like the true evil on a on a human level, not a spiritual level, but like that is the thing that is driving right. all of this, mm. right? And that's what we have to to tackle. I'm just wondering what you guys' thoughts are. I yeah, I so I teach one of the courses I teach is math, and one of the sections of it that I teach specifically is on like budgeting, like unit pricing, and things like that. And it's hard for a lot of kids to understand because it's something. That they don't have experience in, but like I end up basically the summation of it is like it is so expensive to be poor, mm, and yeah. it's like something that they can't wrap their head, head around. I'm like, not everyone can afford to go and spend $700 at Costco to buy all the stuff. Sure, it's going to last you forever in the end, that's cheaper, mm. but you might not have $700 in your bank account, you might have 20, you might have five. Like, I was talking the other day with um, someone who like works at the bank. And they would, people, they talk routinely, people coming in and be like, okay, how much do I have in my bank? Okay, four ninety five. dollars Okay, um, I'll take out $3 and wow. just leave that $1.95 in for later so they can go like get a coffee. Do you know what I mean? It's like that kind of inequality absolutely goes to what you're saying. Like we're, I'm seeing it on a very like a macro level or micro level, I should say, where I, I see the individuals where like, you know, we don't have a Costco here. Even if we did, we probably would be able to shop there. Or we're lucky yeah. enough that way. And I'm I'm at least aware of it. But it's that same idea as like, you know, you might not be able to afford the $500 pair of shoes that's going to last you for 10 years. But I can afford the $30 pair of shoes every six months. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's going to cost. Theory. Yeah. The poop? Boot. Boot theory. From Discworld. I've never heard of it. Is that the same idea that I just said? Yeah, so yeah, it was an author who kind of wrote about it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny, I was looking it up while you were talking, cause, uh, and then you brought it back to oh, wow, concept okay. about shoe wear. This is uh, the, the conception of poverty is basically, the reason that the rich are so rich, the, the writer wrote, was because they managed to spend less money. And then right. they look at boots. He earned $38 a month plus allowances. A really good pe- pair of leather boots cost $50. But an affordable pair of boots, which were sort of okay for a season or two, and then leaked like hell when the cardboard gave out, cost about $10. Those were the kind of boots that Vimes always bought. And he wore until the soles were so thin that he could tell where he was in Ankh-Morkapok 
as a city on a foggy night from the field of the cobbles. But the thing was, the good boots that lasted for years and years. A man who could afford $50 had a pair of boots that would still keep his feet dry in 10 years' time. While the poor man who could only afford cheap boots would have to spend $100 on boots in the same time mm. and would still have his feet wet. Yeah. yeah. So deep. It pays to be poor. Do you know what I mean? It not pays as in like, it, it means it, it costs. For you. Yeah. It, it, it costs it, to be poor. It costs you money to be poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And that's something that like a lot of people don't understand because we're really fortunate here for the most part where yeah. in Canada, you know, and in Nova Scotia, the the wealth disparity isn't i mean it can be obviously quite extreme but it's not to another extreme like i've seen while i've been traveling where i've seen like yeah. you know 25 people living in a a house you know a tenth the size of this one you know what i mean yeah and just because they can't afford to live anywhere else so just like and all of the like the mental health issues that come with being poor. It's like other little things. It's like, oh, well, you're poor. Well, then your family isn't around you as much because they're probably working so much to not be poor, right? So you're raising yourself. So there's like a whole host of like, well, then does that count as neglect? Well, is it neglectful because they're doing everything they can to raise you properly, which means that they can't be around because they can't afford to have to be around. It's like all these like... It's a cycle. It's this whole host of cycle of, of, of issues that like... I so I did a psych degree, and I remember reading somewhere, and the stat might be off, but it was something along the lines of like growing up poor, and like when I'm saying poor, I mean like very, 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 very mm, like yeah. low, low, low AI income. Um, by the time you get to grade five, it is essentially the equivalent of having like a serious mental health issue. It's a, it's as debilitating for you as having yeah. like. Like not like schizophrenia, but like along those lines, like a like a generalized anxiety disorder or like a you know a general depression. Like it's just that hard on you. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, I would absolutely agree that like money is the root of all evil, and especially this this disparity where you can have somebody just be like, "Oh, just move the bridge for me." Right. Well, I mean, that's the level of wealth. The problem is, is that I mean, what all the media companies are owned by like. A handful of people right right and they're the ones pushing all the messages and all they want is for us to be divided right because it suits them right and and that's like and that's why like yes do i get annoyed with people who don't agree with me 100 percent um do i feel shitty towards them sometimes sure but i like i always try to come back to love you know i was raised catholic you know, I <laughs> I still believe in love. I remember the commandments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, my nana told me what's up. Um, but I also recognize like who the the culprits are. You know, what I mean, like, and it's it's not Bobby Sue on the corner spouting off about this. Like, she's not to blame, or he's not to blame for this. You know what I mean? Right. There's other forces at work. Um, Speaking of like, well, you're talking about the mental health thing. Like, I I talk about like, uh, I teach about the determinants of health. There's like twelve right. determinants of health, right? And based on your area code, they can tell when you're going to die within a few years. Like it's wow. like statistically, and it, and that's why this idea of health is like it's a social construction, right? right? Like if you're in this area code, you're not going past seventy, right? If you're over here, you're you'll go to eighty five. 
And the two strongest indicators of that are education and wealth. Yeah. Mm. Right. Like, and that's like that's the number two, uh, the two biggest dictators um, of that. They're also so tied together. Well, of course, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like well, opportunity. You, yeah. yeah. I, but like, so it boils down to wealth almost. You know what I mean? Like because educational opportunities come from wealth, and like, sure, yeah. you got your, your your little stories coming, like pull yourself up, up by your bootstraps, and you can overcome it. Most people don't. Yeah. If I wasn't well off, I don't think I would have. You know what I mean? Like, I had a lot of family support. I didn't mm. have a lot of motivation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true. Like, I'm just a lucky person. I uh, think about that all the time. Even just, like, how lucky I am to live in Canada. Like, I remember watching, I know he's not very reputable now, like, Morgan Spurlock. He did, like, a 30 days as, like, someone. So he did 30 days living uh, on the poverty line in the States. And, like, he got injured and had to go to the hospital, but he kept putting it off because he didn't have health insurance. And what they they charged him, like, a hundred and some dollars for a Band-Aid. And so then, like, he ended up having to pay off that bill, and the bill was, like, over ten grand. And because he doesn't have health insurance, he had to, like, I mean, he did have health insurance, but he he didn't in these 30 days and had to pay off the ten grand, and he couldn't do it in time. So it's, like, it continually happens. Like, any small injury can lead you to financial ruin. So that leads to people just not going to the hospital, mm. which can then compound that into dying. Yeah. All right, Father Pio, I got a, a tough question for you. Oh, okay. And it kind of stems from that. And it's, it's my notice that there is like in that, within that division of left and right, I see that, more right wing people are are tend to be more religious, right? Okay. Uh, than the left, and I've seen the pushback. Now, most of it I have is is Protestant factions of Baptists and things like that. Um, but it's this. I've also seen it within the Catholic Church as well. But it's a pushback against social programming, and I don't get it. And I don't know if you've seen it, and maybe it's unfair to actually ask you this question. I don't know, but like. You're a representative, but like, I get the yeah, I like. I don't want to get like on the pro life and pro choice movements, but I see like startling comparisons between. All right, I'm pro life, but I don't believe in social programming. Like, I don't. I like, socialism is bad. We shouldn't forgive student debt. We shouldn't, you know, like help the poor. And I don't get that there's like this, the, the hard right wingers in, in religious movements seem to be against the fundamentals of Jesus. And I don't get it. I don't get it because like, if, if we were following through with everything, we'd be very communal. Like, I mean, you are communal, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I, you get it. <laughs> You've given up everything just to help people, but I don't understand where these people are coming from. Where it's like we don't we don't care about social uh, social climate or climate change or like helping the poor and for these things like you know like if if you really cared about abortion the first thing you'd focus on is supporting pregnant women mm-hmm. you know what I right. mean like like because under oh, now I'm going on a diatribe I'm sorry <laughs> but like it's it's under regimes that have good social supports abortion goes down right like abortion isn't gonna go away and i get that you feel type of way on both sides but like why don't we just support the women right why don't we why aren't we preventative and why don't we support 
Right, those are two huge factors because preventative work is always the best case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the same people that are pushing against it don't want to support. And I don't understand. So what was the question? What are your thoughts? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the question was basically, yeah, why does it seem that you know people who tend to be more conservative yeah. and who are more religious mm-hmm. um, in general... Yeah. Um, then don't tend to support social programming. Yes. Um, which is kind of news to me, honestly. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm just not that aware of the uh, geopolitical climate because well, yeah. it doesn't make sense to me either, really. Because, okay. um, I mean, what, what you've said anyways, I mean, makes sense to me. Like, I, I remember uh, doing some pro-life work yeah. And, you know, praying outside uh, one of the Halifax hospitals and we would just pray the rosary. And there were people, some people there also that had some signs. And there was one uh, woman that her sign struck me the most. She wasn't Catholic. Uh, I forget what Protestant denomination she was. But she stood there with her sign that just said, pregnant and scared, we're here to help. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And like, Sometimes you you do see that in pro-life movements that you get so focused on uh, the life of the unborn that you go to the opposite extreme that you're almost anti-life of the mother and yeah. of, of people right. of people in general. Yeah. And no, it's 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 a complete package. The pro-life work needs to be yeah, like you say, preventative, but it also needs to have support structures in place for. Uh, women that do get pregnant that you know then are looking for support or yeah. are, are just scared and don't know what to do um, and then you need programs like Project Rachel that uh, helps women that have had abortions that need healing and need help afterwards right so it's yeah. you know you, you don't just kind of toss them to the side like oh they chose wrong well goodbye right no, like everybody needs help. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know about the social program. I know, like, I, I think there is still kind of this fear of communism. Um, yeah. <laughs> in, you know, in what we've seen, you know, through, uh, you know, Stalin and the seems Soviet. to just be become now a fear of community. But like, mm. I got in an argument with a mutual friend. No. And socialism is their buzzword now, like it's 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 that's their the 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 buzzword like and it's like, well, but social program like is I mean like there's so many social programs that everybody doesn't even think about the like cops. education, police, yeah. firefighters, like all this yeah. is socialism, right? And I'm not I'm not like full like I don't want to give up my stuff, you know what I mean? I like my stuff. I'm a yeah. big stuff guy. <laughs> big fan of you stuff. would not give up a vow of but, poverty. No, I yeah. See, I mean. In theory, it feels good to me, but I don't think I can do it. I, I know I couldn't. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> <laughs> if all of a sudden we go off the air, you'll know why. Yeah. Next episode of Barncast, I take some baths. <laughs> now, um, but like, like high taxation. Like you look at social democracies around the world. Like they have the best education. They have the happiest people. Like, and it's, and it's this idea of like, give what you can to help everybody out, right? And, like, to me, that is the most Christian ideal of them all. You know what I mean? Like, that, 
and maybe it's in that case it's government driven people don't trust the government but like that is what it's about it's about giving and helping and lifting up everybody because my favorite uh like bible verse is the body of christ one where like i mm. i'll paraphrase because if one member suffers we all suffer right. if one member rejoices we all rejoice right that that has always spoken to me the most like is that idea of we need to lift up those who need lifting up and the ones who are fortunate enough to be able to do it need to do it right but like and that goes back to that division again because we're not we're not we're not that anymore. You know what I mean? Like we're we're fighting amongst each other and we're not supporting each other, and it's it's just sad. Mm. But yeah, I I mean I don't yeah you said it was a hard question. It is a hard question. No, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm not well, ready. I'm not ready to like you know solve you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had problems. the answer, we'd yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah, this this episode would take off. Yeah, you could, exactly. You could like, fix. Wow, you know yeah, yeah. this podcast out of Yarmouth is just blowing up the internet. <laughs> um, I get that, and like I just kind of wanted your thoughts on it. Like I don't expect well, you to. Well, one thought, and maybe this is just. You know, going away from the main topic, I don't know, but like one of the things that I've always kind of seen, and maybe maybe I'm biased, yep. uh, you know, I'll uh, I, I, can, are, I can agree to that, but like a lot of these social programs came from the church originally. Yep. Yep. The fact yeah, that sense. the fact that we have hospitals, yeah, schools, right? Like you know, a lot of these things were you know if they weren't. Uh, you know, born out of the church, they were made holy and sanctified right. by the church. And they were beautiful and incredible, and they were, um, you know, Holy Spirit-driven, charity-driven, yeah. right? In wanting to make people's lives better and to care for the, the sick and the hungry and, and the poor and the illiterate, right? Like, to want to give people a better standard of life. And then you see the government come in and take all of these things over and they do them worse. They don't do them as good because it seems like when it becomes a government program, oftentimes the individual can get lost. And so it's not that charity-driven work anymore. It becomes, let's say, a social program devoid of true charity. Okay. So I believe I, 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 in the okay. in, in these programs. I believe that yeah, we need to come together and communities need to support one another, but it has to be done freely and out of love. Yeah. I guess I, I see where you're coming from. I have to respectfully disagree in a sure. few instances. I think immediately to like healthcare. Um, I like, and education as well too. I like that, you know. I'm I'm a certified teacher. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I I've done my schooling, which that whole idea of of course university and schooling and everything like that. You're right, is born from the church, and to that you know we should be very grateful for you know that idea of someone actually teaching you the you know how to do these things. But I like and I prefer to know that I am qualified. I've been taught how to do these things to to not just impart like. So, so much of teaching isn't about knowing content, mm -hmm. right? There's so, like, knowing content, knowing what you're going to tell students is probably, like, maybe 
if I'm being honest, 60, 50 to 60% of it, most of it realistically, and actually 50, 60 is an overshot. The majority of teaching is classroom management. And it's something, yes, you're, you're either good at or you're not good at, but you can be taught on how to manage it better. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we didn't have some government regulated bodies that would say whether, you know, essentially like, I think to my university being taught how to be a teacher, how to be how to be taught that. If I didn't have some of these social programs in place, I wouldn't be as good of a teacher as I am because I was taught that by efficient people who knew what they were doing as well. And if I goes back to simply just based out of love or based out of, you know, no regulations around that, then that could spiral into something not very good. Oh, and I, I would agree. And okay. I, I would say that, that's not what the church had in mind, and that's not what I would be saying either. Okay. Like, what I'm saying is that the standards, when taken over by the government, seem to slowly just fall by the wayside. Yeah. Like, from what I understand from other people, because, I mean, I'm not an expert in this. I right. haven't done the studies and the, and the research or anything, but it's like <laughs> our, you know, and, and I, I hate to say this in front of, like, two teachers that I, oh, you know. Oh, it's bad. I, I respect and I can just imagine you guys doing some incredible work because you know, I, I love you guys and you guys are, you know, you, get, you guys are uh, uh, gentlemen and scholars. Oh my saying, goodness, right? you make me blush. Yeah. <laughs> um, but on the whole, like our level of education seems to be going down. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't know, like, like even, even the fact uh, that... In, in large part, like, there's no failing anymore. Yeah. Well, right? uh, that's yeah. actually gotten better. Has it? Okay. It's not great. I'll say that my personal opinion about the whole education system uh, is the degradation of the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it is... I would agree. It's the lack of reading with your child at night. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if if people read with their kids at night, I, I don't think education would be failing. But you have kids showing up in grade five, like in grade one or primary when they're five years old and they're saying teach teach my kid to read it's your job uh yes okay. you've not you've not yep. read with your child is wait and like sure it is our job to teach them to yeah. read however like there are kids showing up who've never really seen a book right yeah. and so like and it's really sad like and it, so the idea is like okay but that's your job as a parent like we will teach we'll do our best but your kid is already behind right mm-hmm. And it's happening more and more. Mm-hmm. And like... <laughs> and I think, too, there's also, like, because there's such a big... And such a push, obviously, people have to be going to school. Now, I know, obviously, people back when my parents were in school had to go to school as well. But I do think there was a lot more families who were just like, yeah, I'm just not saying my kids... Like, we're getting more people in schools nowadays. So, of course, that's going to lead to both higher highs and lower lows as a result. Mm-hmm. Less of this is... Like, I feel like when I was in high school, especially especially high school, like, and it could be just who I was surrounded by. Like, I chose who I was going to be surrounded by. I didn't have the issues in high school like they do now. We had different issues, but a, a big part of it was I knew of a, a large chunk of people who were just like, school is not for me, so they didn't go. There's a bit more of a push now to be like, well, no, you're supposed to be in school, so you go, but then you go, but you don't want to be there, so you don't do anything. Yeah. Right, so there's it's it's a bit of like a statistical issue as much as it is a family issue, mm-hmm. as much as it is a degradation of social values issue as well. 
Well, yeah, because even like as you say that, I mean, that's maybe part of the principle is, uh, and it's not to blame the social programs, but it's just, I think, a human dynamic that if it is all government, you can, you can develop like almost a dependence on the government. Yeah. Yes. In, in, in the sense that you expect then the government to do things that should be your own responsibility. Yeah. Right. And so even like, even thinking like uh, of trying to make the comparison to the early church, you know, like what you're saying is that like there was a time in the church where every, they were of one heart and mind and they laid their goods at the apostles' feet and everything was held in common <laughs> and everything was shared, you know, for the good of all. But at the same time, you have St. Paul telling people, well, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Yeah. You, right. can't, you can't be acting like busybodies. Like everybody has their own personal responsibility even though it's a community that takes care of one another. So it's about trying to find that balance between, you know, coming together as a community and having those programs while still instilling in people a sense of personal responsibility and even familial responsibility. Yeah, that's right? fair. Yeah, I would say this, though, uh, on another side of, of, of the church handling, I've, I've, I've I've always felt this way, uh, like even when I was like deep in my faith and things, and it was is about like one one thing, like so say like the church ran education or things like that. Like I don't want to impinge on other people's religious freedoms. Like I've never wanted to, and I've never felt the need to um, convert. You know, and I did net. So like I I I did a conversion thing and I worked with 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 Catholic kids and I worked with a lot of other kids and I made a point not to like if so so if I was working with a kid from another religion, I'm like I'm no like if you're convicted in your own religion like I I'm not gonna touch it I I I believe that like in that scenario everyone was expressing like I think spirituality is great and like like I believe that love is the most important thing of all right and. And I, I don't think that like so say, um, like I don't want education to be religiously focused. Oh yeah, right. Like because I want people to be free to explore Buddhism and Hinduism if if that is their thing. Like I don't want any religion forced on anybody because it's not fair to them. Because I I wouldn't want it forced on me. Like I wouldn't want something forced on me. And so that was that's the other the idea of like separation of church and state like i have a hard time supporting that or no i do support it so i have a hard time like when it gets tied back together yeah yeah you know what i mean does that make sense i i know did, did I, I make sense yeah no you you, you made, don't have to agree no, with me. Exactly, like, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. i just want to make sure i made sense yeah yeah i mean you're i mean your father Pio, of course like you get a vested interest <laughs> in you're not going to agree totally with me like i get that but like yeah well, that, that even almost brings me back full circle towards, like, the dialogue and the listening part. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's not about forcing religion on anybody. Yeah. But it's about being able to talk together to try to arrive at the, tr at the truth. Sure, yeah, 100%. And so rather than, like, not touching, you know, somebody else's religion and just saying, like, oh, you know, if you're a good Muslim, just be a good Muslim. It's like, well, no, like, let's, let's talk about this. Like, I want you to be able to tell me openly and honestly why you're a Muslim, 
why you believe in it, and why you think I should be too. If you're actually, if you actually love me, yeah, you should want what's best for me. Okay, I retract right? what I just said. I agree with you on that. Okay, hundred percent. Yeah, because yeah, you should be able to articulate why, and and talk about it with yeah in a loving way, hundred percent. Yeah, and so but no, and but back to the schools too. It's like yeah, like it shouldn't be you know, a Sunday school, <laughs> right, right? Like, and, and for, you know, centuries, you can know, I, although people have their, okay, what? Can I just cut you off? Yeah, cut me off. Can I tell you about my grade six Sunday school class? Oh. I'm not going to say the name of the person. Okay. But I feel like our, I, okay. our first day, I walked in there, oh, like, I don't know, 11 or 12-year-old me, and it was boys and girls. They ended up split. I, I only say that because they got the girls out of there. Okay. They left <laughs> us in there. The boys, he's like, I want you to go home tonight. This is day one, Sunday school, grade six. I want you to lay on your bed. I want you to lie as still as you can. And it's going to start getting hurt. You're going to want to move, but you don't do it. You want to move your, you want to twitch your muscle, don't do it. Just lay on your bed. And when it becomes unbearable, just picture that. On a bed of coals, being eaten alive by worms, and that's hell, and that's where you're going. No, they. I swear to God, girls were crying and shit, and they moved them out of the classroom. I think you know who it was. (laughs) It was insane. I I feel like that was my grade eight Sunday school teacher. Okay. (laughs) I didn't mean to retract from what you're saying because. I don't believe like that's not what my experience. <laughs> that's within what you want to tell. That's what you no, did. No, you, yeah. My experience in the church has not been that, and I love my upbringing. All right, I'm just saying like this <laughs> saying one I love guy. My body. This guy was 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 ill in some way or another. Like he was not. Uh, <laughs> shit. Oh, that's yeah. That's that's bad. And I totally distract you, but like I that just came to me, and I had to say because it, it was insane. Yeah, we we don't want that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We don't want Thank that you for anywhere. clarifying. We don't want that anywhere, let alone you know in the, in the school systems, yeah. right? Um, but no, I mean, people get this idea that you know the Catholic Church is like anti-science and you know anti you know anything other than the Bible, right? Um, you know, and everyone will you know cite Galileo, yeah. you know, and, and the way the church persecuted oh, yeah, 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 yeah. him, and like, okay, do me a favor, read about it a little bit more, and then let's talk about it, right? Yeah. Get get a few more details, because like historically, again. The church has been the the one who has like promoted good education. Like, there's been so many good Catholic mathematicians and physicists and scientists, and you know, like people forget that it was a Catholic priest who formulated the Big Bang theory, right? Yeah, Gregor Mendeleev, oh, genetics. Nice. Yep, he's a he's a monk. See, I didn't I didn't know the name. So yeah, you, didn't he there. start the periodic table? No, that was... That was... Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, Mendeleev was part of it. He well, one of the original ones. Yeah, he also did, he did the pea pods, a, didn't he? Mendeleev? No, I think it was a different one. Oh, okay. I don't think it was the same guy, but yeah, there was Peapod Boy. Yeah. I was talking about Peapods. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Old brother so Peapod. Like, and, and so, like, the the basis, like, uh, like the, the ideal of a Catholic school system is founded upon good education, especially equipping somebody to be a critical thinker. Yeah. Which I see as something very lacking, you know, even in my education growing up. Like, we weren't taught well how to be a critical thinker. Like, philosophy kind of, like, you know, as any sort of a basis, like, logic has been kind of removed 
uh, you know, from our school system in, in large part, right? It doesn't seem like the government wants critical thinkers. Well, they don't. Because governments want people to do what they want them to do. I would say that, like, like, just devil's advocate. I And I know where you're coming from, but, like, people would also say the church probably doesn't want critical thinkers because the church just wants people to do what it wants. And people have that experience. I mean, yeah, especially, yeah. like, our parents' generation, they'll talk about how, like, they couldn't ask questions right. about about the faith. And that's yeah. just wrong, right? Yeah. Like, and, like, and the church would teach that is wrong. Yeah. Like, and, and that's that's always the, uh, the, the, the distinction yeah. between, like, what the church actually teaches and believes versus how certain individuals in the church yeah. end up implementing well, there's some. There's yeah. certainly, obviously, some certain sects of every religion that are just so extreme that that's what's leading like a ton of issues, right? Like you, you look, I, I like, like some of the worst people in the world, Westboro Baptist church where they're, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, they're rooted in their belief of the God, but they've taken it to such a insane level that they're, they're hate group. Like yeah, aren't yeah, they classified yeah. as a hate group now? Oh, I hope to God. They're yeah. really awful people. I don't know if you ever see them. I, I remember the name, but I, I, I'm hazy on the The, the ones that stand outside, like, veterans' funerals, like, thank God for dead soldiers. Yeah. And oh God hates Oh, yeah. And, like, awful. It's, 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 so, it's, it's, it's like a weird hate-filled religion, but they call themselves Baptist. Like, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, like a cult. It's, like, yeah, it's, it's more like a cult. It's scary. Yeah. But, yeah, um, but yeah there's, there's, there's going to there's gonna be bad people everywhere you go. Yep. Yeah. Right? But there's also the majority, a lot of good that we often – overlook because it's so easy to focus on the negative because you're like oh my god i can't believe somebody would do that yeah. yeah versus the good of like oh man i'm glad somebody did that right it's almost like you can easily put your shoes put yourself in the shoes of somebody doing something good but you can't put yourself in the shoes of somebody doing something bad so you focus on that because it's so tangentially against your own belief system that that's what you see and that's what you focus on yeah when it boils down to it in that nature versus nurture, like all of us have great ability to do great evil, and nobody wants to confront that. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's a human thing. Like, yep. if humans do it, every one of us could if we were, were were born into that experience. You know what I mean? Like, like we all have the capacity as human beings, and that is a scary thought. Now, thank God, most of us don't. <laughs> yeah. Hello, <laughs> governor. This podcast is brought to you by the Air is Brewery. It's a place where the beer is so good, you can go and get pissed on a few pints of suds and forget all about that little mistake of leaving the European Union. Isn't it? So as always, folks, we are brought to you by Heritage Brewery. And I want to ask you, Father Pia, what are your thoughts on the old heritage? I know you get into town once in a while. You've had a few of their brews. You might be having one now. I am. I'm having the rusty truck red. Truck red. Yes. I <laughs> like it. I I'm really enjoying it. It is quite good. Would you say it's divine? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really bad joke. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is good. I will, All right. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, they're open. Uh, remember, they have the. Of course, they're open. You think they uh, were closed? I, no, I was thinking like the patio thing, but I was like, wait, it's kind of like July. Everybody knows the yeah. patio is open. 
I would say that I have now won trivia three out of four weeks. Oh, well wow. done. We have become the trivia villains. Which, like, I remember when I was going there, we kept not winning. You're like, oh, there's that table that wins. I'm that table. <laughs> How many people are on your team? Seven to eight. See, that's too many. However, I know. However, there's always three duds. Like, doesn't matter. You still should be two different teams. I know, but it's like a social experience. Like I, I, I'm not going out there to like win trivia. I'm going out there to play trivia with my friends. You know what I mean? Still we also many. happen to win. But like, <laughs> I. So anyway, you're come and take a run at us. Uh, we have talked about splitting up the team though. But uh, so head on down to Heritage. Sit out in the sun. Have a beer. Have a rusty truck. Red. Uh, have uh, Norseman, which is my favorite. What's your favorite? Um, I still like Kilometer Zero quite a bit or any other sours. I haven't been because I had COVID last week, so I've not been, unfortunately, in a little while. I will say that sours are gross. It's not on Heritage. I just mean like the whole... They are delicious. Existence Shut of your sour mouth. beers. <laughs> Father Peter, what do you think disagree. about sour beers? You like sour beers? No, I was just I was saying you guys oh. agree to disagree. Oh, because you're, bringing, you're bridging those gaps. There you oh, go. Thank exactly. you. <laughs> thank you, Father. Bring in the reconciliation. <laughs> All right, folks, I want to thank you for coming out to this podcast. Thank you, Father Pio, for coming all the way down here and gracing us with your presence. Thank you to Alex Ritchie for having nice glasses and getting over COVID. Woo! And thank you to me for just being great. <laughs> Check us out on Spotify. Give us five stars. We're on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way. Helps other people find us. Share us with a friend or family member. And hug that weird relative that makes weird Facebook posts because we need to bring everybody together. Good night!